I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, we got a mailback question about our way way too early prediction for the Rays wins under over and all of that. But I'm just going to say this. This is a way too early feeling I have about the Rays. After watching them come from behind in Washington to start the season 5-0 now. 5-0. 5-0. and 0. Only team in baseball without a loss, Steve Bursnick. That's correct. Here's my, here's my way too early observation. It's a special team. You hear me now? I think this is a special team. Now, six months of injuries and in baseball and things that happen that are out of your control and a pitching staff could that could just be decimated or a lineup or you know, Wander Franco and Rosarena and like all the all the pieces are together now, right? This is the every card is still in the deck and all of that. Okay. So I know what we're talking about. This is what are we talking about? We're talking about baseball. We're talking about a marathon. I mean they basically, you know, have run one mile, uh not even one mile. Hell, they've they've taken a few steps off the starting line and we're gonna declare them the winner of it. Uh, so it's ridiculous. Okay. Having said that they kind of had this blend going of, you know, we we know about the great arms. We know about the starting pitching. And, yeah, they need Tyler Glass now and Josh Fleming. We finally found the weak link. He's the number six pitcher in the rotation, as you said uh, before we came on. Yep, yep. We finally found it. And, and the base running is <laughs> still there. The base running issue is still yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Manny Margot. Where are you going, man? <laughs> you're, you're in scoring position uh, in a game that, you know, you need some runs late and you just get picked off second. So that that part has not changed, Kevin Cash. Teach these guys how to run the bases. But you have this core, right, of of really sort of sage veterans and dudes that, especially on the pitching staff, right, that have grown up and are now absolutely in their prime. And then you've got some of these superstar emerging talents, right, like Wander Franco. On any given night, Wander Franco and Randy Rosarena could just carry you. Hell, they could do it for a month each, right? Just by their own play in the field, at the bat, all of that stuff. And, and believe me, Randy is is off to as good a start as he's had in quite a while. And I think you know the the World Baseball Classic probably helped him in that. Franco is just a matter of staying healthy. I mean, he he was the sort of the guy that didn't get a lot of hits, but he still drove in a run. But there is something about watching young dudes, and and you know, Joe Madden used to talk about this. Like first time up through the big leagues, you're kind of like. I think I can do this. You know, like I, I, I think I can, I'm a major league player. Like I think, I think I belong here. And then there comes a point where it's like, no, no, I know I belong here. Okay. And I think we're sort of seeing that again, five games. What are we really seeing? Right. But they didn't get a bat. They didn't get a left-handed bat. And then Luke Rayleigh, who had a terrific spring shows up and he's just raw power. He comes up, down by a run in the ninth inning, leads off the inning, and hits a screamer oppo down the line to left field that was no doubt about it. I mean, it was just a shot. And you're like, yeah, you don't see that sort of power from from many players, um, and 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 much less, you know, a guy they needed to do it from the left-handed bat. 
And then Josh Lowe. Remember, Lowe was he was supposed to be the guy last year that was going to provide them, you know, with with a with a guy from that side with power. He follows it up with an absolute cannon shot in the upper deck. And all of a sudden, this team that had given up 16 hits going into the ninth inning has scraped their way to to a one-run lead. They wind up winning it 10 to 6 um, on a night where they didn't particularly play well. They didn't pitch well. I think they played well when you scored 10 runs, obviously. And the defense was very, very good again. But there is this this. I don't know, Steve. I know when I see it, you know, it's I can't really put my finger on what I'm seeing, but I think it's the perfect blend. You had a good analogy about the lightning. I think it's the perfect blend of experience and young guys now coming into their own. Well, and yeah, I, I agree. I think you're seeing this core and they're growing up together. And and it started in the minors too. A lot of these guys were winning together in the minors. That's true. And, and the Rays minor league system is very successful. Most of the teams mm-hmm. go to the playoffs every year. And they've won right. championships down there, and they've grown right. up. You think the Lightning? I mean, you know the the Johnson, Palat, Kucherov, Kalorn, They all won a championship at Norfolk with John Cooper as their coach. That's right. And you know, and then they a come up to the ago. Lightning, and and now that you know they've clinched the playoff for the sixth straight year, nine of the last ten. Mm-hmm. You know, this core has done it with Cooper. the The Rays, this core has grown up together. A lot of it through the minors. And, right. and now at the big league level, they've made the playoffs four straight years now. They're maturing. They're they're getting mm-hmm. better. You can see the growth in a lot of the players. Yeah. And the coaching staff has grown, and some of the coaches from the minors are now up in the staff as well that have been with these players That's for years point. coming they up, They've developed too. these guys, right, sure. You, you know, they develop them through not only the players, but they're developing coaches and elevating them, too. And they're yeah. all growing together and learning how to win together. Now they've been to the playoffs four straight years, including a World Series two years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I think there's a lot of similarities in, you know, smart front office execs mm-hmm. making good decisions. Right. You know, even some, que- you know, finding Isak Paredes. Yeah. I mean, he hit I mean, 20 home runs last year. What? Who was yeah. this guy? I- I mean, you know, no one expected or that. Benton, or Bentoncourt as a catcher, right? Like, you know. Absolutely. The, how, how valuable is catching in the major leagues? Mm-hmm. And you find a dude that can sit back there as big as he is and, and throw runners out and, you know, mm-hmm. handle pitchers. And you're, and you're also seeing their patience. You know, they mm-hmm. traded Austin Meadows last year, for the most part, to make room for Josh Lowe. He struggled. It didn't go yeah. the way they hoped or he it wasn't hoped. quite ready or didn't have quite mm-hmm. the confidence, but mm-hmm. he came back in spring yeah. a different player. And he looks a lot different and a lot better this year. And, and yeah. you know, they knew the potential. They had, they, he has grown up in their system with them. They knew him. Okay, so they tried it a year too soon. But it's that patience to stay with it, you know. Right. And, and, and getting back to that lightning, you know, Julian Breezebois or Jeff Vinnett could have blown up everything after 18-19 when they won 62 games and got swept in the first sure. round of the playoffs. Oh, absolutely they, they could. They didn't. They stayed patient and kept everything together. And mm-hmm. you know, throughout the the time when they missed the playoffs back in, you know, 16-17 by one point. Right. You know, they stayed very patient. The Rays have been that way too. There's a lot of similar when you have when you have good front offices. You know, decisions aren't made on a whim hastily they're they're well thought out they're well planned they don't always go Mm -hmm. your way things happen injuries and you know sometimes players just don't turn out to be as good as you think and etc but i mean that's gonna happen but 
more often than not, their front office makes good decisions. We've said that for years with this front office, even before they started making the playoffs every year. You know that. Well, and you made that point too. That, and I think it's a good one. That, like, we're sitting here, like, you know, five games, five and zero. Oh, I'm not going to make this disclaimer all night, but mm-hmm. your point was, and it's very well taken. Like, well, this is who they've been, right? Like, they win ninety games a year. They make the postseason. They've been to a World Series. They've been to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've won the AL East a couple years. You know, back to back. Like, this this is who the Rays are now. Why should we expect anything different? I just think that this that this team has a chance um, because I think it's the deepest lineup I've seen in quite a while. Listen, the guy that I would be as excited about as anyone, and I mean, obviously Luke is on fire, and and um, you know they're they're getting power now in in play. But how about Jose Siri, who took the day off yesterday, right? And he's got two home runs already this year. Uh rare type five tool player right a guy mm-hmm. that can really could potentially he's batting ninth in the lineup by the way mm-hmm. that shows you what's above him the depth of this lineup and the ability to, to to almost every guy to come up and hit the ball out of the park the athleticism they show the speed they show gotta learn to run the bases Manny Margot but it's just different man like and I I thought Kevin Kiermaier was one of the all-time Rays, right? Like, no mm-hmm. question about it. He'll go in the Rays Hall of Fame one day. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the greatest outfielders in baseball during his era. They're not losing much out there in the outfield defensively. And Surrey can hit. I think he can hit. We know he can hit with power. Oh, by the way, one other observation, and I think Doug Wechter or somebody mentioned it, the baseballs are juiced again. <laughs> and we're using, you know, they, they did a lot of things, right? They widened the bases mm-hmm. and then no shifts and, and, and you know, uh, the pitch clock, which is still the greatest invention at all in all of baseball of late. Ah, they're back to those hoppy baseballs, man. <laughs> the balls are flying out of here. Like the one Surrey hits, I'm like, okay, he's out. And it's like, no, wait a minute. It's still going. It's still going. It's gone. Um, but but really, w- when when you see that, and you go, okay, they're not like he ain't batting in the top four here. Like, like this dude, mm-hmm. look at the depth of this lineup. And, you know, well, I, I think they love batting him impressive. because it takes the pressure off him. Sure, it does. But it also Absolutely. puts his speed batting right before the top of the order. Comes back to the top of the lineup. Yeah. So, that, I mean, you're only batting ninth one time, right? right. I mean, like yeah. that first time through. So that he's on base before Yandy Diaz and mm-hmm. Wander Franco and Randy Rosarina and Brendan yeah, yeah, Lyle yeah, yeah. if he ever heats up. Yeah, he's um, a table setter for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they love that turn there. I mean, they used to do that with mm-hmm. Kiermaier some too. So you All try to time, take that yeah. pressure off. Yep. Yep. And, and of course, Kevin Cash is still a great story that we've told a million times. You know, he, he, he made a specific trip to the Dominican in the offseason to go down there and find Surrey and just simply to tell him, hey, don't worry about making a club. You're on the club. Trials are over. You're my center fielder. I want you to come to tra- spring training mm-hmm. and know, not wonder, but know that this job is yours, man. Just relax and play. And boy, is he playing. And when he gets it going, he's he's as impressive a player on that team. And that's the thing, like, They've got some really, really good baseball players that can do a lot of stuff. Like they're not just, you know, well, he hits, he can run, he can hit and run, he can run, he can hit for power. He's got a good arm. Um, you know, like these dudes can affect the game and put pressure on defenses and 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 they're not striking out a ton. You know what I mean? Like you're not 
You're seeing good approaches. In this game, they were jumping people, right? Right off the get-go. I mean, they ended up they had a 42 lead before it all went away. And we can get into Josh Fleming in a minute. But um they didn't they don't wait. Like if, if those pitches are around the plate and they can handle them, these guys are putting the ball in play. You're not seeing a lot of guys standing up there striking out. Um and and they put a ton of pressure on you. I just it's been five games. They're five and zero. Oh, but I'm telling you, it, and and I know Kevin Cash. You can almost see him like wanting to say, "Yeah, we're really good." You know, like we're we're special this year. But he's still, you know, he's kind of like, well, well, look, he's no Aaron Boone to sit there and say that they're savages. But <laughs> savages, right? What was what was the Cash said? I got I got five guys down there that throw a hundred or whatever. The ninety eighters, um, yeah, the ninety eighters. Yeah. That's right, the ninety eighters. They should have gotten, they should have gotten t shirts made. They did. Uh, if did they? Yeah, okay, the bullpen had those a couple need, years ago. So uh, okay, well they should they should keep it. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was a, uh, a an impressive win. But more than that, they so they were interviewing you know um, Lau after the game with Rayleigh. And apparently Lau is like low, low. I'm low. I'm sorry, Brandon. Low, low. Brandon's Lau. Brandon, Josh is Brandon Lau. Josh Lau. Yeah, they're interviewing Lau. Which, by the way, Bally's, you need to put B Lau or J Low in your when you the batter comes that up and help. it's like you know number yeah. two batter. It'll just say Low. It's yeah. like you need to just, you need yeah, to put the initials exactly there when the you have both way. on the team. But there you go. I digress. So it was Low, and it was Rayleigh really after the game with Trisha Whitaker, and apparently Low. Uh, predicted everything. Um, he, he predicted the home run. He predicted them going back to back tonight. Like there's all kinds of things that he's like, go play the lottery. Where uh, pick number fifteen. Um, so you know they're, they're having fun on the bench and they're and, and it's always fun when you win. But I thought that they were going to get their first loss. I mean, it just didn't look like this. You know the way things were going with Fleming. And look, I mean, depending on you know Fleming said he thought they maybe he was tipping his pitches and he's done that before and I got to check into that. I thought that they made a good point on the broadcast that uh, NBA said this. Brian Anderson said, "You just you got to throw inside." These guys were diving across the plate. You know what I mean? Like they were looking middle way. And when he finally started to come in there a little bit, then 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 it changed his. I'm mean, not that he ever really you know nailed it down or anything, but um, they you know, they weren't the swings weren't as good. So somewhere in there, you know. He he's got to improve from his first start to his second start. Remember in spring training, he got lit up his first time out. He did. And then he settled down the rest of the spring and won the job. So, well, but as you know, we kind of joked before the podcast. But if your weak spot on the team is your sixth starter, then you know <laughs> that's right. That's right. Not even going to be in the rotation when Glassnell comes back, assuming that everybody else is still healthy. And and look, it it takes a village, right? Here's the thing about the race: they have always beaten you one through forty during the regular season. And the, the, the narrative has been and continues to be until they prove otherwise that when you get to the postseason, it's about superstars, right? It's about the one through niners, right? Those guys, the big guys have to play big, they, you know, the Aaron Judges and stuff. They, you need that from a Rosarena, but you also need it from Brandon Lau, if he's assuming he's still here. But you need to score runs. And they went the 18 innings and didn't, you know, all that stuff, right? So the bats have, have let them down now for, for many a postseason um and and that's what's got to change it really does have to change but man when you start putting the kind of athletes and the kind of bats out there and now these guys have grown up and they've been through these trials and they're determined as ever and you know you still have the blend of of superstars and and guys that are still ascending and in a real good core now 
of your one through nine players, it's it's different, man. I don't know what it is. It's just it's different to me this year with the race. Their lineup is just different. It just feels different. Whether they can keep that going or not, they could go in a collective slump. That happens sometimes too. Well, and, and they're going to face better teams too. I mean, let's let's and be honest pitching. with this. Absolutely. I mean, but they've yeah. dominated both the Tigers and the Nationals so far. And that's what you're supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Good teams will do that. I mean, you mentioned it the other day when they won the AL East. They beat Baltimore 18 out of 19 times, and that was the only difference between them and the Yankees. I think the Yankees were closer to 500 against the Orioles that year. Mm-hmm. You beat the you teams know, on so your schedule. That's, I mean, that's what you're supposed yeah. to do. They don't ask at the end of the year, wait, which teams did you beat? No, it's wins, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody plays, you know, the same number of division games, and then you've got – you know, all those others, but... Um, and let's not forget, you're going to be playing more teams that aren't... as You're not playing as many AL East teams this year. You know, instead of 19 helps. games against every AL East team, it's like 14. Yeah. No, so you're going to be playing more of the AL Central. You know, more Royals and more Tigers sure. and, and stuff. I mean, that's that's what you're getting this year now. Because they, yeah. they balance the schedule a little differently. Yeah. Tough series for Washington, man. You bang out that many hits and don't win. Oof. Davey Martinez has got to find some pitching. Um, that was not that was not good for them. But yeah, big win. Big series, of course, for the race. So that that was a lot of fun. We're gonna get into that. Well, we well, got a mailbag let me get to question. a mailback question first before yeah, we get off the race. It, yeah, sure. So Les had Les had uh tweeted us. It says Rick, still waiting for your all too early prediction on the raise total. I've got them winning 94 games but not winning the division and losing in the first round of the playoffs. Where am I wrong? Well, let me let me clarify. I'm setting the number at 161 and a half. Are you taking <laughs> yeah. the over or the under? <laughs> uh, right now, I think I'd be tempted to take the over. Um, <laughs> this goes back a couple of years when I famously and owned it the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I famously said they had traded Longoria, remember? Uh, and traded uh, Corey Dickerson, Corey, yeah, Dickerson, and uh, yeah, they were kind of like dismantling things and bringing in other guys. And I famously said, "Oh, this team's losing a hundred. I mean, they're going to lose a hundred. I'm going to say it right now, they're going to lose a hundred. And did they win a hundred that year? <laughs> they won a like lot. That. I mean, it was, <laughs> they won an awful lot. Yeah, let's put it that way. Um, and so, uh, since then, my all too early predictions have been um, well regarded." and come with the credibility they deserve. So, no, you know what? I mean, the all too early, maybe not 162, although they're on that pace. But I'll say this. I, If they're as good as I, after five games, you know, again, what am I, what, I got a crystal ball here. Um, they're going to win. They're going to win closer to ninety-five than they will ninety. Like, they, could they well, be below ninety? Man, you're playing the Yankees five less times. You're playing the Red Sox five yeah. less times. You're playing the Blue Jays I, five less times. I think they're going to. I think they're going to. I think they could win ninety-five. I mean, they just look like that. I don't. I think they're going to be one of the best teams in the American League. I think they're going to win among the most games in the American League. And I don't know if they'll. You know, I mean, who knows? We haven't seen a single American League East game yet against against Tampa Bay. Certainly the Yankees are favored, right, when you think? Uh, um, yeah, I mean, although their pitching staff is kind of decimated right now. It is, and, it, and they injuries are always big for them. And then, you know, Toronto can mash, and, you know, will they get the, the, enough pitching? And um, I don't think Baltimore's quite there yet. I mean, the Rays have a two-game lead in the division already. There you go. 
if ba- the playoffs, Baltimore and the Yankees the, are three and two, Boston and Toronto are two and three. So you're saying if the playoffs started today, the playoffs started today, <laughs> Tampa Bay they get the best record in baseball, home field throughout yeah, the playoffs, yeah, right? Exactly, only undefeated team, man. Yep. Yeah, break up the race. There's also this, like, I love watching Kevin Cash after these games because he so desperately wants to say what he's really thinking, which is, "Wee, we told you guys. Um, but he tempers it because he knows how quickly baseballs can turn. I mean, that's the thing about mm-hmm. baseball. You know, it's like it's a failure sport. No matter what's – when it's going well, I mean, when it's going well, and right now it's going very well, right? You're 5-0 and and you came back uh, after giving up all those hits and you get the back-to-back home runs and, you know, what five, six runs in the ninth inning. Those are unusual games, but when that stuff happens, like you just you just kind of kind of downplay it. And he so desperately wants to say, "Yeah, I told you guys we were good. I told you we weren't that worried about our hitters. Like we have some left-handed hitters now. Like mm, you know, you idiots." But he can't say it because then somebody gets hurt or they go into a slump or you know. But he was uh, very measured in his in his remarks, <laughs> and sort of you could almost see him like pressing down on the brake pedal a little bit. Uh, to remind himself that it's only five games, but man, what a what a great what a great comeback for them! Uh, and it doesn't matter; it's a major league team. Doesn't matter who you're playing when your your backs are against the wall like that on the road. But there was never like in the dugout they were talking about how like oh no you know we we knew that if you know we had a, if we were within striking distance we had a chance to win that game and you know until until the very last out. So that's the belief that you establish you know when guys are feeding off each other and they they look like they enjoy playing against each other. So who knows? My over-under, um, it's not going to be 162 and a half. I, like I said, way too early prediction. I think they have a chance to win 95 games. Uh, boy, that's a lot of games, man. <laughs> that's a lot of games. Uh, and it's all health, right? I mean, that's 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 the deal, right? It's a marathon. Mm-hmm. So you got to be lucky. You got to be lucky and good. And they're good. I don't know how lucky they're going to be. So that's a good mailbag question. I have a little news on the Bucks beat, but first I want to remind you guys of how to save money on your electric bill. It is the all-important, I tell you about these folks all the time, May Electric Solar. That's right. They're a family-owned business. They've been operating and installing solar electric systems in the area now for 13 years. There's a lot of these companies out there that knock on your door, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. Here's why. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty, plus with every installation, you get 700 and $50 worth of surge protection for all of your appliances. That's what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install to fit your particular needs. They'll tailor it to you. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. So all those guys up there on the roof of those solar panels, those are Billy May's guys. You know exactly who's doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727 819 2862. You can schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your appliances. It's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. I promised you a little Bucks news. This is kind of funny in a word salad game type way. So the Bucks, of course, have lost the, you know some safeties over the years, the last couple of years to free agency. Jordan Whitehead uh, is gone, obviously. Uh, they lost uh, Mike Edwards, went to the Kansas City Chiefs this year. Ken O'Neill went to the Pittsburgh Steelers as a free agent. So, uh, you know, we don't know if they're going to re-sign Logan Ryan. So you don't have Logan Ryan. You don't have Ken O'Neill. 
So why not combine those two? And now you have Ryan Neal. (laughs) (laughs) They signed a safety, Ryan Neal, from the Seattle Seahawks, um, a guy that uh, played pretty well um, sort of in a a, a pinch. But, uh, and obviously, like Dave Canales would, would know about this guy. Uh, you know, he, he's an undrafted player. He had, I think, a career-high tackles a year ago, some 66 tackles or something like that. And he, he signed a one-year deal. It was funny because he was somebody that the Seahawks, because he was a restricted free agent, they had, you know, tendered him a contract, and then and then they, they withdrew it. Um, and so that kind of made him available. The reason they withdrew it is they signed giant safety, Julian Love. Uh, and so the contract they tendered him was worth uh, $2.627 million. I'm guessing he probably got close to that money to get, come to the box. Um, but like I said, does that preclude them from drafting a safety? Maybe even in the first round? No, I don't think it does. I mean, he's in the mix. You need depth at that position. All they had on the roster was Antoine Winfield Jr., who's going to move back to free safety. Pretty good player there. And Nolan Turner, who was kind of up and down on the practice squad a year ago, the kid from Clemson. And then they also have Dee Delaney, who's played corner and safety. So he, he can do either or both. But um, Neil is also a uh, a very good special teams player, uh, you know, coming out of Southern Illinois. He's one of those make-it guys, right, not drafted, 2018. Bounced around the first year between the Eagles and Falcons on some practice squads and stuff like that. And then he signed with the Seahawks in um, 2019. He's been there ever since. So I think it's a pretty pretty good pickup um, for them and a guy that, uh, you know, will make an instant impact. I mean, Count O'Neill was kind of that guy where, you know, you could start him if you needed to, but he also played every special teams. Um, and so this is – and I don't, I don't know that it precludes them. Again, not just in the draft, but they could also re-sign Logan Ryan, which is going to be really confusing if they have all these Ryans and Neals and stuff in the secondary. But, um, but I, I, I kind of like this signing on paper anyway. They they need to cover. I always say this: like going into the draft, your goal should be if we had to line up and play today. Before we say we get we don't get a single player in the draft, what do we look like as a football team if we have to line up and play today? Are we covered at every position? And if you can say you're comfortable with playing the guys you have before you get into the NFL draft, now you're not as hostage to a position. Now, I still think it's inevitable that they're going to have to get a tackle fairly high in this draft, either the first pick or, or one right after that, because they simply the numbers don't work. You lost Donovan Smith. What are you going to do with Tristan Wirfs if you switch the sides or not? You know, you still need uh, you still need a tackle and a guy that's going to be here for a number of years to go with Wirfs. So I, I think regardless that that's, that's going to be a deal. But you cover yourself at the safety position, whereas you might have felt like a need um, to, to just get numbers and find somebody that can play and maybe come in and start. And now, you know, there's there's less of an urgency for that. You can let the draft sort of come to you. Um, but I still believe that, you know, they're going to come out of this pretty early on with uh, with an offensive tackle and maybe even a safety. But this at least allows them to uh, to not reach. You know, that that's the thing. Like, you don't want to be sitting here, um, you know, drafting a player for need that's, you know, probably not rated as high as you're about to pick them. So you don't want to overdraft guys. And so this will prevent them from uh, from doing that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, before we get out of here, there was something I wanted to talk about the other day. You know, we had the men's Final Four, and of course the Saturday before, um, just before that, was a women's Final Four and LSU upset. I don't know. If it, I guess they upset Iowa. Um, but they beat Iowa and, and the player of the year, Caitlin Clark. And then there was that moment, remember, Steve, where Angel Reese at the end of the game kind of did the John Cena, you can't see me thing mm-hmm. um, to Caitlin Clark. And, and Clark Which Caitlin had done, had done previously. In a That's correct. Against Louisville. In a different game in the tournament. And it's, you know, now I will say this, like Reese made it a point you know, the game the game was at hand. They were going to win. And then she did the the thing kind of in Caitlin's face. And then also did the whole ring, you know, like I'm getting rings type, type thing on her hands. Here's what I'll say about this. And you made a good point you can make again before the podcast about why this is kind of good and kind of cool, especially for women's college basketball. Um, but... A couple things, and Brad Johnson taught me this a long time ago. Uh, I can't tell you how, but it, it, we got into a discussion about it. Remember this. To the victor goes the spoils, mm-hmm. okay? These are highly, highly competitive athletes. Like, you know, like in my house, I have dancers and singers, right? And my son played football, and he was highly competitive, right? But when you get to the college level, when you get to the elite of the college level, when you get to the Final Four, no, dare I say the championship game, and you're talking about a player of the year in Caitlin Collins, which we can talk a little bit more about in a minute, and someone like an Angel Reese, and you've got Kim Mulkey as your your coach. Kim Mulkey, who came back to Louisiana, who had won a national championship at Baylor, and in her second year, Listen, I watched her play Ruston, Louisiana, my first road trip at Arkansas State. We were, we're in, on the road. I've told this story before. I think we're on the road, and I was like, what are we doing in Ruston, Louisiana? What the hell do we do here? Oh, you got to go to the women's basketball game tonight. Why? Why would I do that? Oh, no, it's, it's really something here. Really? Walked into the arena, 12,000-seat arena, whatever it was, packed. Never seen that for, for women's college basketball. Packed. They had a point guard. And she was a spitfire, and she dove for basketball. She ran the show, could shoot from everywhere. This is before the three-point line. Um, fast breaks, you name it. And, and it was Kim Mulkey. And they went on and won a national title mm-hmm. at Louisiana Tech. And then I followed her career as a coach, and she's exactly who she appears to be. You know, she's kind of maniacal on the sidelines. That's how she played with that same, that same intensity. I mean, the whole game. Um, and so she's phenomenal, and her team, I think teams sort of reflect your coach's demeanor a little bit and, and mm-hmm. kind of take on the personality and whatnot. They were not going to be denied. They were probably tired of hearing about Iowa. They were probably tired of hearing about, um, you know, Caitlin Clark and all of that. Um, so I don't – when you're in the moment and you've won a national championship and you just did Iowa like that, would would you prefer she just kind of like you know shake the hands and good game and it sure perfect world why not let's sanitize everything you made the best point I I think it's great because that's the raw competitive emotion mm-hmm. like one of the greatest winners of all time Michael Jordan was a disaster on the court he 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 
he talked crap to everybody mm-hmm. and backed it up and he was nice to no one including his teammates at times mm-hmm. right he was maniacal and and we celebrate him as oh the greatest winner of all time in, in all of sport like he's an iconic what do you think about michael jordan champion right like winner like 6 for 6 in 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 title games so why can't the same thing be said about these these two athletes well exactly and the other part is is the fact that we're debating this and talking about this and it's awesome. It's showing you how far women's sports have come. Yes. You know, they're getting treated just like the men. This would be a ratings. debate if, if name your player did this to in the men if UConn would have done this to San Diego State, one of the players. It'd been Absolutely. the same debates we're having. Yeah. You know, personally, well, I mean, magic, you know, they didn't do it magic and bird, but wasn't that what made college basketball, mm-hmm. right? The rivalry yeah. that they carried on into the NBA? Rivalry and having bad guys in heels are good for ratings and numbers and money and everything else. Absolutely. Why do you think Absolutely. WWE has heels all the time? That's right. That's right. You know, that's a scripted one, but they know you got to have bad guys. And that's it's actually good for yeah. the sport. You know, yeah. now you can not like what Angel Reese did. And personally, if I was in that moment, I tend to think I'd be more celebrating with my teammates than trying to show up my opponent. But mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. me. And I'm also not at that highly competitive level with them. What's that? (laughs) There's there's still plenty of time to celebrate. Well, there is. But I mean, mean, you know, that's my personality. It doesn't mean it has to be hers or or anybody else's. I mean, as you said, Michael Jordan was one of the best known to tear teammates down in practices, let alone games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, so, you know, I didn't have a problem with it myself. Like I said, I wouldn't have done it personally, but that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Yeah, but, but the fact that well, we're having debates about it—it's awesome. Just, and, and look, nine point nine million people watched the championship game. Incredible! It's incredible. I mean, it's more than the Daytona Five Hundred, more than the Orange Bowl, more than the Sugar Bowl. Wow! More than the Thursday night uh, football game between the Cowboys and Titans on December 29th. Anything Cowboys? More not. than three of the Elite Eight, three of the four Elite Eight matchups in the men's side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it was, I think it was. I think it's going to. We're going to look at it as a seminal moment mm-hmm. where, you know, people say college basketball. Now, here, here's my take on a couple of things. One, one, I, I thought it was, you know, the ebb and flow of the game. I mean, Iowa, it was even, and then Iowa got way behind. They made their run. They didn't quite get there. Um, LSU is a great story. Mm-hmm. They have great players. They play with so well together, and they were they were the underdogs. I think at least in their minds in this game. Um, and probably probably on paper, too. Well, the Darlings but, were Iowa because they knocked off South Carolina, who was supposed to be That's unbeatable. correct. That's correct. They were undefeated, and they knocked off. The, they were, yeah, the Giant Slayers. But here's the thing about um, Caitlin Clark, transcendent women's basketball player. What I mean by that is she's doing some stuff we've not seen. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, the LSU coach said this after the game, like, you're changing women's basketball. Like, you, you you're... And look, think of the great women's basketball players we have seen, right? Mm-hmm. Tarasi and and I mean Lobo and like there's so many, right? Um, but watching her game, she's doing stuff I've not seen on in women's basketball. Like the behind the back creates separation, step back from thirty three pointers. Come on now, mm-hmm. <laughs> wait a minute. The no look passes, you know, that what can't she do? 
She can drive. She can dish. She can rebound. She can uh, has tremendous range, but she can create her own shot off the dribble like you've never seen before. And it is almost, she makes it look flawless, like effortless. It's, it's really something to fall. It was great basketball is what it was. I mean, it really was. It was great. Mm-hmm. I watched every minute of that championship game. And I was with my son in Denver, so we had lots of options. But we, you know, I sat there and watched it. I was mesmerized by it. I thought it was a great battle. I thought it was a great play on both sides. But that's, that, that player right there is going to be memorable for years and years to come. And she's back next year, as is Angel Reese, as is Paige Peters at UConn, who was hurt this year. It's great. It's going to be great. I look for. I'm going to watch. I'm telling you, I'm going to watch when they play, because it's good entertainment, and that's what we've waited for. You know, is just the the women's game has grown so much, um, and obviously in popularity, and just based on the ratings. But yeah, Caitlin Clark. Now we can mention this if you want to, just for for a second. Uh, the first lady who was at the game was so impressed by both teams, you know, very, very often or almost always the national champion of whatever sport um, will get extended an invitation to the White House. Uh, and so Joe Biden said that, you know, I'm going to I'm going to tell Joe that maybe we should invite. She was so impressed by Caitlin Clark and Iowa that maybe maybe we should vote both teams. You know, she kind of threw it out there. And of course, that got slammed, dunked. Um, politician always looking to suck up to everybody. <laughs> so there you go, trying to get all the votes, right? That's what politicians um, do. Yeah. Uh, split, yeah, we're going to kiss all the babies. And so, um, but that's not the way it goes, right? Like, that's not, that's breaking great protocol here. And so, you know, you had Angel Reese kind of like, like a laugh crying emoji, you know, like, get out of here, you know, this kind of thing. And and she walked it back, or it's been walked back by the way. Oh, and Caitlin like, Clark even least. said, "Look, that's for LSU. It's not for the runner-up." Yeah, and I and I would coach. They all agreed. It's like, no, that's not for us to go. You know, we didn't win, and 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 it's again, it's a a championship moment, and um, and so that won't happen, thank God. But um, but no, I I think from start to finish, like this whole and just the fact that me and you are talking about it on this podcast, right, for our listeners. Tells you that it's it's really was a memorable tournament and 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 maybe one that we look back on now and say, yeah, remember when when women's college basketball that became, you know, quite popular and nine point nine million at any given time. That's that's pretty cool, really cool game. So enjoyed that. Enjoyed. uh, We're gonna enjoy Caitlin Clark again next season. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. All right, well, we only got to one mailbag question today, but uh, we're stocking them up for you, so you can uh, send them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. The Rays, it's getaway day against the Washington Nationals. Sugar Shane McLean, McClanahan, McLean, listen to me. Sugar Shane McClanahan on the mound for the Rays as he goes for win number two. And then the nightcap uh, for your viewing pleasure is the Lightning at the New York Rangers. I love when these two teams get together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a great one, and, and uh, they're in Madison Square Garden, I guess. So, And good news, uh, Mikhail Sergachev, full participant at practice on Tuesday, was taking reps at number one power play. So I huge, think uh, huge. avoided uh, catastrophe the other night when he went down. So, Yeah, this is not – you do not want to see anyone get injured this time of year, and so you just hope you make it to the starting line of the playoffs. Um, but these two teams are uh, may, may see each other in the postseason at some point. You know, so that'll be a good one at 7.30 start tonight uh, against the Rangers. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstyn, Gummery Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mm-hmm.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.